And we are live once again. My name is Chris Albrecht, host of the podcast Talking Mopars. Every once in a while, I decide to do a live show, and this is one of those occasions. So this is episode number 95, live with yours truly, the Mopar Hunter. Um, it was a busy weekend. I went to the Good Guys Car Show in Puyallup, Washington. It is a crazy show. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how I almost burned the Mr. Norm truck down to the ground. Um, that's not me being a drama queen. That's the absolute truth and what nearly happened. Um, kind of a crazy story. So we'll cover those two items. Um, high performance parts, project car of the week and listener stories. Uh, I have not set up anything for listener stories yet. I know that I have a couple in my email, so we'll check that out. And I think I have a voicemail or two that we'll check out as well. So we'll get to that stuff here in a few minutes. Um, but first I need to tell you about an event coming up in September, September 10th, the weekend of the September 10th and 11th, I'm going to be in Las Vegas at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway for Muscle Cars at the Strip. It's a huge, what started out as a Mopar show and is now evolved into a battle of the brands. It's a muscle car show. Um, there's going to be drag racing, a swap meet, a show, um, and the brands going head to head. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be Saturday and Friday and Saturday. And um, Johnny Mopar is supposed to be there with me. So it should be a good time. And uh, we'll get all sorts of footage. And we're just going to have a good time talking to people, talking Mopars. On, on scene at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway, September 10th and 11th. Be there, be square. You can find more information um, if you follow Muscle Cars at the Strip on Facebook and Instagram. And you can find them at Muscle Cars at the Strip. Um, their tag on Instagram is at... Uh, Matt's LV. So M A T S L V. So muscle car, muscle cars at the strip, Las Vegas. And, uh, yeah. So if you're on the West coast, you can probably get there pretty easily drive or my plane ticket was cheap. It was like a hundred or 200 bucks and, uh, I'll be there. So I'm not sure how much it'll cost to fly from the East coast, but I imagine it can't be that much because the weekend after that, I'm flying out to Kentucky to meet with the rest of the Molly crew of Mopars for Holly's Mo Party. That's going to be a good show too. So it's a busy summer, folks. And this this past weekend, I got to go to my favorite local show. And we're going to find out why right here, right now on Talking Mopars Live with yours truly. So without further ado, if you are a Mopar enthusiast, then you are in the right place. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned into the best Mopar enthusiast-driven podcast on planet Earth. And I'm your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter. And this is Talking Mopars Live. You're listening to Talking Mopars with the Mopar Hunter, your direct connection to all things Mopar. All right, guys, here we go. Project Car of the Week. It's been a while since we did that. Oh, gosh, it's been... I guess we did it last week, the last, the last podcast I did live. So we're going to do it again. And this week, let me pull this up here on my screen. I saw this car and I thought it was uh, pretty cool. So let me pull it up here. It is a 1969 Dodge Dart. I'm going to share my screen for those of you watching, those of you listening at home or in your car or at work. 
bear with me here for a second. And where is it? There it is. Okay. See if you guys can see that. Let's actually blow that up. All right. So what we have is a 1969 Dodge Dart drag car for $16,000. It's in Paris, not the country. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, East Texas. So Paris, Texas. So it's blue. It's got a Hemi hood scoop. It's got a fat tire in the back, skinny in the front. It looks like, I guess that could be, uh, oh, yeah, okay. Lexan glass all the way around. It's got racing seats, cage, um, wheelie bars. But let's get into the ad here. Um, 1969 Dodge Dart drag car, $16,000. It's got a 540 cubic inch Mopar mega block engine, Indy 441 heads with super modified porting, 727 transmission with Winters 8 inch 5500 stall converter, a transmission brake, a Mark Williams Dana 60 rear end, 40 spline axles, spool with 488s. Ladder bar suspension, coilover shocks in the rear and the body. It's got a fiberglass hood, front fenders, trunk lid, bumpers, an entire liftoff front end. And on the inside, we have an eight-point mild steel cage. And it's elapsed times. It's running about 6.2 in the eighth mile at 113 miles an hour and about 9.6 in the quarter at 136 with this big 540 cubic inch big block. Um so you got a stroker in this thing. It's uh, actually, oh, that's pretty cool. If you see the firewall, it's got some tin work done. It's been bead rolled, and it looks like it says Mopar back there behind the engine. That's pretty cool. Um, this car means business. And for sixteen grand, I mean, uh, when I saw it, I was like, okay, what's the catch? And unfortunately, you know, without seeing the car, you know, let's just assume that everything looks good. Let's assume that the body, I mean, from what I can see, the body's in pretty decent condition. Let's get, let's get up close and personal with these pictures here. So it's got a full fiberglass hood all pinned on. And like I said, it's the Hemi Superstock hood, which looks really good. <laughs> full tilt front end or uh, removable front clip. So that's awesome. Um, it looks like it's got old school center lines, um, the auto drags. And it, it just means business. I don't know if it's street legal or not, just based on looking from what I can see, it's probably not street legal, but um, it definitely looks like some fun for $16,000 at the track. You know what I mean? It's got the shut off there on the back bumper, um, fat tire in the back, big old drag slick. Um, 16 grand gets you to the track, nine seconds. It looks like there's a little bit of damage on the uh, passenger rear quarter, but maybe a little... Uh, a few paint chips on the trunk, but it looks pretty good. I mean, for what it is, a little paint chipped off the fiberglass bumper, but I mean, it's a race car, folks. Yeah, this thing's not street legal. I'm going to go ahead and call that right there. Uh, definitely not street legal, but you know, how much fun you want to have at the track and how much you want to spend? You know what I mean? $16,000 in my, you know, world, <laughs> I would say that's a pretty good deal. Um, especially if all you're looking for is a race car. I see, you know, nostalgic looking race cars all the time for, you know, 20. And, you know, a lot of them need a lot of work because they're nostalgic race cars. This one looks pretty, pretty up to date to modern standards. Um, you know, it's got a big block, bunch of fiberglass on it. It's ready to go. <laughs> you know, what more, what more do you want? <laughs> 9.6 in the quarter for 16 grand. Okay. So that's why I chose that for project car of the week. I don't even remember what, uh, what day I posted that. Let me check really quick. Um, 
So that car was posted. Let's see if I can find it here. Dead air. <laughs> Jeez, how many cars do I post? This is ridiculous. Really? <laughs> okay, I'm having a hard time finding it in this feed because it's... Oh, there's so many cars here. It had to have been in the last week. Where is this car? Now I'm getting frustrated. <clears throat> this is going to annoy me. My bad, folks. I should have had this pulled up already. Well, <laughs> it was posted on the Mopar Hunter Facebook page, or excuse me, the Talking Mopars podcast page, um, formerly uh, the Mopar Hunter page. I cannot find it. Oh, that's going to annoy the hell out of me right now. All right. Well, <laughs> it was posted somewhere there. Um, 16 grand. Uh, if you want to see the car, go to uh, Craigslist, go to East Texas, and it should still be there. Just look up 1969 Dodge Dart drag car for 16,000 and you'll see it. It's a nice bright blue. It really looks like a, I mean, if you want to go to the track and have some fun for less than 20 grand, you know, you'd be hard pressed to find something that's, you know, assuming that this thing is built, built right. And there's nothing too crazy uh, with the engine and, and it runs good and strong. Um, but, you know, with these types of things, you're kind of taking a risk unless you know the owner and the car, you know, on a personal level, you got to just take their word for it. But uh, for 16 grand, you know, take the engine out and maybe do a rebuild on it. But I thought it was a pretty good deal for what you're getting, you know, especially if you're looking for something to take to the track and have some fun. So that was Project Car of the Week, the 1969 Dodge Dart drag car for $16,000 posted. I don't know when. <laughs> I'm going to try looking for it one more time because now I am very annoyed. So let me just see here. <clears throat> uh, da, 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 da. when was this thing posted <laughs> i can't i just pulled it up to pull it up for you guys and i just saw it in the feed this is gonna this is really gonna annoy me now all right i might have to get back to you guys on that one later um let's go ahead and move on High performance parts this week. Sometimes, you know, I haven't been watching much TV lately, so I just had to pull some out of thin air. Uh, I actually, I don't know why, but the car that came to my mind when I was thinking of high performance parts this week was, <laughs> this is stupid, the Dodge Viper from the Nutty Professor. <laughs> uh, the scene where uh, he's leaving the club or whatever, and he starts getting fat in the car. <laughs> so... The movie is, um, it's basically like a, uh, it's a remake of the original Nutty Professor, but instead of Jerry Lewis, it's Eddie Murphy playing a Professor Sherman Klump and a really fat guy who takes this pill that turns him into a character called Buddy Love, who's a skinny, you know, fast, smooth talking um, player, basically. And in one scene, he's taking the pretty girl in the movie out to dinner at some nightclub. I think it's like a comedy club. Um, and 
he shows up in a red Dodge Viper. The movie was made in like the mid nineties, early to mid nineties, I think. And, uh, when he leaves the club, he starts getting fat again. Like he starts turning back into Sherman clump and he's in the Viper and he starts, you know, the CGI shows him getting all fat again and his foot blows out of its shoe and hits the gas and it just gets crazy. So I thought, I don't know why when I just thought of movie Mopars, the red Viper just stood out in my head and that's, that's what you get. <laughs> so this week's high performance part, this is silly was the uh, gosh, mid nineties. I, I imagine it was a 93 or 94 now, it had to have been a 94 Viper RT 10 red one. Um, the classic Viper with the gray leather interior. So go look that up. If you're that curious, I don't Like I said, I don't know why <laughs> that was the car I picked, but it just popped into my head. So that's, that's what we went with. All right. So that was the high performance part. The 19, we'll say 90, we'll say 1994, the 1994 Dodge Viper RT 10 in the movie, The Nutty Professor with Eddie Murphy from the mid nineties. <laughs> listener stories. Let's uh, get into listener stories here. Where's my phone? Let's play a couple messages. That's a good way to get things kicked off. I know that when I go live for these shows, usually I'm a little bit more prepared. I can't believe I didn't have that car posted up. I guess I just pulled up the, uh, the feed pulled up the, the ad and I forgot to write down the day that I posted it. But like I said, for project car of the week, go to East Texas, the city of Paris, and you'll find the dart drag car. It's bright blue. You can't miss it for 16 grand. Um, but uh, like I said, I'm just trying to kill time so I can get this email pulled up here. Okay, Google Voice, here we go. <laughs> I already know who this is. Let's give it up for our good friend, Tad, once again. Let's see what he has to say. Now you did it, Chris. I just listened to your podcast, and you were telling me that you didn't hear any uh, voice messages from me so i figured i'd call and and leave a couple you know add something to the show for next time um i guess new stuff for me is uh working on the 72 demon 344 speed that i picked up solid car it's crusty as far as just sun baked but uh, i got all the brake stuff for it got new tires for it the guy was going to give me or sell me the 340 he had in it, but that ended up being a numbers matching for a 70 duster he had. So he decided to keep that. Um, I've been having a hell of a time trying to find an engine for it, man. Like anything. I had a 340 lined up. It was actually a 72, but that guy went dark on me. I haven't heard anything back from him. Um, I got a guy that had a 98 Dakota broke all the way down, rebuilt with the whole roller system inside and, you know, pretty much a, a long block, a full long block. Um, I think I'm going to pick that up for it. Uh, what else? Super B, I just moved recently, so I had to put the Super B on a two-wheel dolly and tow it up, so I uh, unhooked the drive shaft and did all that, but I went to get the windshield put in, and I pulled into this place, not knowing there was no exit on the other side, so I had to try to back up a tow dolly that pivoted along with 
you know, pivoting on the back of the truck. So I ended up causing a little damage on my door. Um, nothing big. I can fix it. But just trying to get someone in my new place. Um, I had Johnny Mopar come by and take truckloads of stuff from my house, just extra parts and trannies and stuff. He was cool. It was good to see him. Um, I heard his truck coming from like three blocks away. The kids <laughs> knew it was him. Um, anyway, man, just trying to get stuff together, get the, the demon going. We have a car show at this new place I moved on October 2nd, so I'm trying to get the Super B totally done so I can bring it there. Um, other than that, man, just listening to your podcast. I'm going to get on again one of these days live and tell stories. Hope things are good. Hope the family's well. We'll talk to you soon, Chris. Thank you, Tad, for sending in your message. Yeah, so Tad's got this really cool demon. Um, it's a 72, and it's GA4. So, which is, for Plymouth, it would be Winchester Gray, and for Dodge's um, gunmetal silver metallic or something like that, gunmetal metallic. Um, super cool color. Uh he messaged me today because the car has the hood graphic, but it does not have the, um, the twin, uh, the twin scoops, which is weird because it's the 340 demon. Um, I don't know enough about demons to say whether or not, uh, they all had to have those scoops. I thought all 340 demons had those scoops. I guess I could be wrong. But it was definitely interesting. Unfortunately, it's missing the broadcast sheet and the fender tag. So he does know it's originally GA4. It's all over the trunk. Um, but super cool car. Man, uh, I don't know if he wants to share. I don't, I don't think he said how much he got it for. And I, I, won't, I won't sell him out. But he got it for a screaming deal. Um, so, yeah, very cool car. It's going to be his ratty muscle car. So we'll have Tad back on the show on a live stream to talk about it. Because um, I, I love it when people get projects like that um especially when you talk about oh i just want to get it going get it on the road have it be a ratty muscle car that's that's really cool and uh october 2nd to get the super v done tad that's going to be a challenge and uh i think you're up for it so i can't wait to see the progress on that car and hopefully you get it done and get it over to that show man thank you for sending in your message tad we'll have to link up and we'll get you back on the show all right buddy um really quick here phil painter Says good stuff. Thanks, Phil. Appreciate it, buddy. Jeremy Williams in the house. Sounds like the owner hasn't researched prices in a while. I'd expect low 20s. You know, I I would expect low 20s too. That's why when I saw it, I was like, what's the catch? I thought maybe it was just a roller for 16 grand. But uh, I mean, how many runs does it have on the motor? You know, there's a lot of questions that I would have. But uh, cool car. Um, hopefully somebody scoops that up. Maybe we'll get the real story. <laughs> you know, we'll find out how toasted the motor was or something. Um I don't know how to say your name, but you said cool stuff, and I appreciate that. And you have a cool name. I just can't pronounce it. <laughs> Ndella, I guess. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Um, our next listener story I will read here on the air. Let me just pull this over here. Okay. Our next listener story comes to us from Keenan Garfoot. Let me take a drink of my water here. Okay. So Keenan Garfoot says, hi, Chris, my name is Keenan Garfoot and I'm from Fond du Lac. <laughs> that's a fun, that's a fun one to say. Wisconsin. He's from Wisconsin. Okay. I'd like to start out by saying I just recently found your podcast and love it. Thank you, Keenan. I listen to it every day at work for eight hours a day. Thank you. <laughs> I should catch up pretty quick to your current episodes. I'm 27 and have been in love with Mopars since the day I was born. 
but I actually have two Mopar stories. So not sure if you'll share both at the same time or split them up. Keenan, we like to party around here. We're sharing them both and hopefully I won't stumble too much. (laughs) This, this podcast has already been a train wreck. I'll admit it. (laughs) Sometimes, you know, that's the the thing about lives is you can't hit the stop button and re-record. So we just fly off the cuff and we have a good time no matter what happens. So his first story is about a 1972 Dodge Charger. And he says, my first story starts with my dad. He bought a 1972 Dodge Charger back in 1996 for around $2,800 that was quote unquote restored and painted sublime green with a hockey puck stripe that went over the hood and ran to the back of the car with the half black vinyl top, 383 big block and 727 transmission. Craig or SS wheels with nice big dish in the back. Uh, the car was originally red, uh, 318 two barrel. He drove it until around 1998 when the engine took a crap (laughs) while my mom was taking me and my sister to school. From that day on, dad said she was no longer allowed to drive it. (laughs) Uh, he got used, he got a used 383 in 1999 or 2000, but it kept jumping timing. So that got pulled out. I'm not sure on the year, but I'd say around 2002, he bought a 383 crate motor from AutoZone. He dropped that in the car and got it running. But unfortunately, after that, he ran into issue after issue and lack of funds prevented him to get it fully back on the road and driving. The car sat for many years. Around 2012, I got on him to get it going again. We got it running, but the freeze plugs on it popped, so they needed to be replaced. I drove it to my house, pulled the engine to do them, and found out that the gear on the cam had half the teeth missing. Not sure how it ran fine with no issues. We didn't end up getting it back together, and the car went out to my grandpa's shop and sat out there until 2018. When I traded my slam to the ground, 99 single cab, short bed, two wheel drive, 318, five speed Dodge Dakota for a 1969 Plymouth Roadrunner that came with a built 1969 block 383 that was built up pretty good back in 08, but was never started or installed in a car. I found out from my dad that times weren't working out for him very well and he needed to sell the charger. So I did the unthinkable. I sold the 1969 Roadrunner to a buddy for way too cheap just to get the money to buy my dad's charger because I wasn't about to let a car go that has been in the family for over 20 years. I picked the charger up from my grandpa for my grandpa's as soon as I could and started wrenching on it. I've been working on it for the last three years and she has fought me every step of the way. Nothing but a pain in the rear that car has been. Body isn't perfect anymore. Dings and dents and Bondo cracking on her, but she still looks gorgeous to me. I recently went through the whole engine and painted the engine bay and just got it back on the road this last weekend, June 13th, 2021. She hasn't leaked anything anymore and runs good. Let's hope she stays on the road for a while so I can start my other project car, which is a 1974 Plymouth Scamp. Keenan, let's address this first story. Um, It is a shame that you had to get rid of your 69 Roadrunner, but I understand when you have a sentimental attachment to a car, sometimes you got to make sacrifices. That's exactly what I did with my blue truck and my Dart. The fact of the matter is, is I loved another vehicle more. And that was the Mr. Norm's truck. I just didn't know it when I got rid of all my stuff at the time, because I got rid of it for a completely different reason. But, you know, once I got rid of them and uh, I got the Mr. Norm truck, it all made sense to me. But in this situation, you knew what you had to do. So I respect you for pulling the trigger on that, because not a lot of people could let go. I mean, (laughs) in today's day and age, not a lot of people could let go of a 69 Plymouth Roadrunner for cheap, but you sold it to a buddy. I hope he didn't flip it on you. I hope that he loves the car. Um, But uh, 96, your dad bought it for 2,800, the 72 Charger um, (laughs) that was restored, restored. Uh, Yeah, it sounds like that car's been, uh, it's been around the block a few times, but uh, it's good to hear that uh, you're getting it running and getting it going. Um, 
And you have, you have another project car, which we're about to get into now, which is your 94 Plymouth Scamp. So let's talk about that. 94, 1974 Plymouth Scamp. So this is Keenan's story about his scamp. This story starts when I was 15 and a half. I remember it like yesterday. I was car searching with my dad. I was all over the place from possibly getting his 04 Stratus four-door RT to looking at tuner cars and old BMWs. But one day I was sitting in study hall and I got a text from my dad saying he was on his way home from work and saw this car and asked my thoughts here on my <laughs> here on my crappy flip flown is a blur is a blurry picture of a 1974 Plymouth scamp baby poop green <laughs> with a vinyl cream colored top. I fell in love and had to have it that night. We went to go look at the car in Berlin, Wisconsin. The guy that had the car was a second owner and he bought it from the little old lady that bought it brand new in Berlin, Wisconsin. It had a slant six with a 904 trans that was as slow as ever rust on the rear lower quarters and the trunk had some rot in it as well, but I didn't care. Yeah, it ran and drove and I needed that car. So I bought it for $1,200 and we drove it home. My brain started going crazy. I planned out everything I wanted to do to the car. I started sanding it down and peeled the vinyl top off. I started rattle canning the car, but never finished and did not have the money to do the things that I wanted to do to it. So it sat on standby and I never drove it as my first car. Fast forward to 2014. Times got tough when my then girlfriend and I split up. I was living on my own trying to afford the house I was renting and unfortunately had to let the car go or the car had to go. A gentleman from Milwaukee, Wisconsin came to look at it. He wanted it, but it had bad tires so he couldn't drive it home. He offered me $75 and the cost of fuel to tow it to Milwaukee for him and I agreed. Total selling price was $1,475. The day I dropped that car off and drove away, it sat in front of his house. <laughs> the day I dropped that car off and drove away while it sat in front of his house was horrible. I cried like a little girl. We both agreed we'd keep each other's numbers and that if he ever decided to sell it, to let me know. Years go by and I was at a Father's Day car show with my dad and a dart was there. I couldn't stop staring at it and miss my car so much I wanted it back. The next day, the guy I sold it to texted me saying he's going to post the car for sale. And if I wanted it, he'd give me a good deal and I'd have first dibs. I said, absolutely. I bought it back for $1,500, $25 more than what I sold it for. It had a new carb, new tires, powder coated stock wheels with cop center caps and the roof was primed. Other than that, she was exactly the same. I drove to Milwaukee, bought it and drove it over an hour back home. Glad to have it back. I sanded the body down completely, sprayed the whole car flat black with a gun. And I've been driving it like that since it's unbelievably reliable and has yet to fail me. I even drove it 110 miles a day to work for a month and a half and never once had an issue. The plans with the scamp are to fully restore it on a rotisserie and it'll get a turbo gen three Hemi someday. I want it to be just wild to drive. I'll never ever sell that car again. I couldn't believe it made its way back into my hands. Thanks for reading my story and hopefully you enjoyed it. I'll keep listening and hope my stories make it on the show. Mopar or no car and no Mopar left behind thank you keenan for sending in your stories oh man it, i've said this before on the show that i love stories where a car gets away and it comes back to you because that means it was meant to be and it sounds like out of all the cars you've been through keenan it sounds like the 94 scamp is 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 your forever car <laughs> and that's cool man um you know some people Different cars mean different things to different people. You know, for a guy who's into e-bodies, you know, he'd probably sit here and go, uh, wow, I, I can't believe the guy's so excited over a Plymouth scamp. He doesn't understand. 
because you're the only person that can understand your attachment to that car. I completely understand where you're coming from. I develop weird attachments to cars, but I know when it's real and when it's not. Like with my Dart and my old truck, I realized that it wasn't a real attachment. The only reason why I kept them around was because I was a hoarder. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I wasn't ready to let them go. But, um, you know, in hindsight, I think I could have let him go a lot earlier than I did because I passed up on a lot of crazy deals on way cooler cars. But, you know, everything happens for a reason. And now I have the Mr. Norm truck. But um, it's great that you got your scamp back and that you're motivated and you're getting some work done on it. And hey, <laughs> it was only $25 more than you bought it for and had a bunch of stuff done to it. So that's a good thing. Um, I, I can only imagine how tough it was to let that car go. You know, in the message, you said you got emotional and I believe it. You know, when my dart and my truck were leaving that day, they both left at the same time. And uh, I was sitting there and I was like, is this really happening? And I realized that everything was already too far gone. As I'm looking at my dart and the trailer, I'm thinking to myself, gosh, I could have really tackled that project and made some progress. But I hesitated and I never got anything done on it. So that was my fault. So that was a real bummer watching my car get loaded and going, gosh, I could have, would have, should have, but didn't. You know what I mean? And then I'm sitting there looking at my truck uh, on the open trailer and it's all the way slammed because <laughs> it was on air ride. For those of you that don't know, it was a 76 D 100. It was two tone. Uh, main body was blue and it had a white top and a, a white lower um, with clearance lights. And it, oh gosh, I, I miss that truck. I really do. I thought it had a really cool look. I'm definitely happier with the Mr. Norm truck, but that truck that day was looking so good. I was like, how come you never looked that good when you were all torn apart in my garage? <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um, I'll, I'll, I'll forever miss that truck. But like I said, everything happened for a reason. And, um, <laughs> you know, when I called the guy, when I hunted down the Mr. Norm truck, I told you guys, the guy was getting ready to paint the thing. I couldn't let that happen. And I don't know if he was just saying that as a sales tactic or what, but he already had me by the nuts anyway. So <laughs> he didn't really have to say anything. I wanted the truck, but, uh, I'll go ahead and believe that he was getting ready to paint it. Um, and I'm happy that I, I got to save it, even though it's been giving me a few problems as of late, which we will get into here next. Um, thank you, Keenan, for sending in your story. Thank you, Tad, for sending in your story. If you want to hear your story read on this show, or if you want to send in your voicemail, you can do that too, and I'll play it on the show. Um, to send in your story, just email me, chris at talkingmopars.com. Tell me your story, and I'll read it on the show. If you want to tell your own story, you can call, we'll call it the, the Mopar hotline. <laughs> it's uh, the Talking Mopar's voicemail box. And you can reach me 209-28, I don't even, yeah, I don't even know my own number. It's 209-28-MOPAR to hear yourself on the show. Um, I always get it confused because 209 is not my area code. And the number 28, when I got the number, I couldn't get... Um, I forget what other numbers I was looking for, but I was looking for something really easy, like zero, zero Mopar, nine, nine Mopar, something like that, uh, or 69 Mopar. And, uh, I couldn't, I got stuck with 28 Mopar and I was like, oh gosh. And this is the first time I've actually ever forgotten it. So that, that's kind of funny. It's probably cause I'm live and I'm nervous. <laughs> um, sometimes uh, if you've never done one of these things, you're all pumped and then you get on. And for some reason it's like, uh, <laughs> it's kind of tough sometimes. And today I'm just, I'm, 
Uh, it's pretty rough for me today. I don't know why. Um, maybe it's because it's hot as balls in this room. <laughs> and I'm wearing this. I got this. I picked up this sweet Mopar shirt. Apparently, it's the same uh, shirts that Richard Petty's pit crew wore. At least that's what they sold me on. Um, but I got it at the Good Guys Show. And that's what we're about to talk about right now. So I go to... Let me get to... Uh, my screen back here. So, oh, Johnny Mopar. I see you in the comments, buddy. Johnny Mopar says, yep, sacrificing sucks, but it's all part of the game and a necessity sometimes. Yeah, man, I agree. Um, hopefully, if you do end up getting rid of something, it ends up working out for you in the end <laughs> or you get your stuff back. You know, um, it worked out for me in the end. Some, uh, Keenan, it worked out for him in the end. He got his car back. So that's cool. Um, Johnny also says when I sold the D 100 to Dennis, he would drive it over to my place to visit. I was like, damn, that thing is badass. I was a dumbass for selling it twice. I've never sold anything twice. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I'm glad I don't have to see my, uh, my other Mopars, <laughs> you know, I see pictures of the blue truck every once in a while. And I just, I look at him like, damn, it looks good. Um, and then my dart came up for sale. <laughs> that was a kind of a punch in the gut. Cause I had high hopes for it considering who bought it. But, uh, you know, I guess it wasn't meant to be. So it is, it is great when you end up getting rid of something and getting something even cooler. That's fun. Or man, it's got to be so cool. I hopefully I never have that feeling because once I let something go, I really don't want it back. I've made that decision uh, as a hoarder. And I can say this <laughs> is like it, you don't want to let things go. So if you let them go, they better just be gone for good. And that's how I feel about like I told uh, Will, the guy who bought my truck from me, that uh, if he ever sold it to let me know. But I really don't want him to let me know because I probably won't have the money to buy it back. And that'll drive me insane. Um, but uh, yeah, what I should have what I should have done, you know, because I really didn't sell. I mean, both the vehicles, I think, gosh, how much did I $6,000, I think total for both of them. Um, and in the grand scheme of things, you know, that money was a big help in getting the Mr. Norm truck, but gosh, I, I feel like if I hustled, I could have gotten that money and kept those cars, but where am I going to put the stuff? You know, that's hoarder mentality right there. But <laughs> anyways, moving on, that was listener stories. It's always fun when I read them live because you never know how many times I'm going to trip and fall over my own words. But that wasn't too bad. Um, Keenan made it really easy for me. Sometimes stories get sent in with no periods, no commas, and everything's lowercase or uppercase. So it's like hard for me to read. But when I'm not live, I have as many takes as I need. <laughs> so live is always fun. Let's talk about the good guy show. I don't know if you guys have ever been to a good guy show, but the one by me in Puyallup every summer is awesome. It happens at the Washington State Fairgrounds, uh, which is in Puyallup, Washington. It's this huge, huge piece of property. It's a complex for the fair, for the state fair. And every year, good guys comes to town. And gosh, I want to say there was, this may be a high estimate, but well over a thousand maybe, maybe around 1500 cars. That's what I would guess. And tens of thousands of people flood the Puyallup state or the Washington state fairgrounds in Puyallup to have this amazing car show. And 
this year I finally got to participate. I've been dreaming of participating in the show. And what's funny is for those of you that may be new to the show or have forgotten the story six years ago, I was at the good guys show in Puyallup and I was walking in the show field and I saw the Mr. Norm truck for the first time at a distance. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God. And I went over there. Cause of course I'm like, is that a real Mr. Norm truck? And Murray, the guy who built the truck had me fooled. <laughs> he had me fooled. I was looking at that thing and I was like, if this isn't a real Mr. Norm truck, I'm going to be really impressed. And it wasn't. And Murray and I became friends. Um, he's a great, great uh, vehicle um, render. He renders vehicles digitally and uh, he's an amazing artist. And his vision of this truck came together and it was the coolest tin grill. So the coolest 1972 to 1980 Dodge truck I have ever seen. And before I saw that car or that truck, excuse me, before I saw that truck, the tin grills, oh, I liked them but they weren't necessarily on my radar. I really wasn't thinking, cause at the time I had my dart and I was really focused on getting my dart going and, um, or other muscle car projects. I didn't even think about building a truck at the time, but after seeing that truck, you know, and finding out it wasn't for sale, uh, I had to get one. And that's why I got my 76 blue D 100, which like I said, was on air ride, which was never my intention. I wanted a muscle truck after seeing the Mr. Norm tribute truck. And uh, couldn't find one, found the blue truck, and I liked the way it looked, so I got that one. Um, I don't want to say it was a mistake. It was definitely a learning process. I learned a lot about wiring, which is going to be kind of funny later on when I tell you what happened to me on the way home from the Good Guys show. But uh, this this year marked the six-year anniversary for the first time I saw the Mr. Norm truck, and now I am the owner. So I got to take it back to that show because it hasn't been there in six years. So I got to drive that truck there. So for me, it was a hell of an experience. Um, I usually don't get butterflies driving into shows or like, you know, I, I loved driving the truck, but I, I got butterflies going there for some reason. I was like, this is so cool. You know, six years in the making and here we are. I, I wanted that truck, but I never thought I was going to get it. And there I was at the good guy show, the show where I saw it with the truck. Amazing. So the good guys show, like I said, over a thousand cars, at least that's what I, that's what I think. Um, there were so many and the venue is so big. The property is so big that it's kind of hard to see everything. You know, I, I walked around for three hours and we covered so much ground. I already had, a, I had a blister on one of my toes. I was like, really, <laughs> this is crazy, but it, it feels like you walk and people are rolling in all day long, you know, cause it's really a three day event. They do, um, racing at uh pacific raceways uh nostalgic drags on friday night and then saturday's the show they had like a burnout contest and a bunch of other stuff but you're allowed now i'm trying to figure out how i can explain this to you guys i don't know what other fairgrounds look like in other parts of the country but uh it's got a bunch of buildings you know stables and things like that for animals and a couple big indoor um, exhibit buildings. And there's a bunch of sh really high quality show cars in the exhibit buildings, but outside is, is just every nook and cranny of this property is stacked with cars. And the cool thing about it is when you roll into the show, you can pretty much park wherever you want. It's not like they don't have assigned parking. You just go find a cool spot 
<laughs> and I didn't realize that. So we roll in. I actually went and picked up my buddy, Paul, which is a story all in itself because I've never driven my truck into downtown Seattle and I know the roads are garbage. <laughs> so I get there. So I'm on the freeway heading into Seattle and the whole time I was actually live and I was thinking in my head, I was like, this is going to suck because I know the roads suck and that truck doesn't handle potholes very well. It, it just, it, it hits hard. You know, even at slow speeds, they sound just vicious on the truck. So I get off the freeway and I'm not expecting many of you to know what Seattle's like, but there's a street called Pike street in downtown. And basically it's, it's a really tight street that has buildings going straight up. And it's got like this glass awning over the street. It's ridiculous, but it makes for great audio when you are in a low gear and you hammer the throttle. So uh, Seattle's a pretty blue city and a pretty, um, con uh, not conservative city, but a pretty, um, pretty hip. It's a pretty hippie city. I'll say that. Um, so I'm sure people hated me, <laughs> you know, seven 30 in the morning, just ripping through downtown Seattle, just <laughs> being a jerk. And I go pick up my buddy, Paul, and we hit a massive bump on the way out of the city, which sucked, but, uh, no damage to the truck. Thankfully. We get down there, we register because it's on-site registration for non-members of good guys, which is what I am. And we roll into the show and I'm looking around and I'm like, they're not going to tell us where to park. It's just a free for all park wherever you want. So I'm driving around. I'm like, let's just cruise around and we'll, we'll look for a spot. And there's a, there's a little building like the property's so big. I'm trying to imagine where it is in relation to everything else. I guess it's. <laughs> It's not in the center of everything, but it's like right off of the center. Anyways, uh, it was the fair police building. So that's where they keep all the security, I guess, or the cops for um, the fairs. So I got to post a bunch of pictures of that, but it, I, I thought it was really cool to be in front of that building. So I took that spot and the cool thing about good guys, and I don't believe they do this at very many, if at any of the other good guys events, but the venue is so big and there's so much paved ground that you go get your spot, you set your stuff up or whatever, and you can jump in your car or truck or whatever at any time and go cruise the fairgrounds. You know, obviously you're not driving crazy and being a jerk about it, but you can literally just go cruise. And it's a great way to cover a lot of ground and check out all the cars and kind of make a mental note. Oh, I'm going to go check that one out later. Go check that one out later. Um, it's It's got to be my favorite local show. I haven't been to any major out-of-state Mopar shows, and I will probably be biased because I love shows that are all Mopars. But I can respect other cars and stuff, but uh, uh, an all-Mopar show is best for me. Let me put it to you this way. If I go to a show that isn't specifically Mopar stuff, sometimes I leave a little disappointed because I think to myself, there wasn't enough Mopars there, but like talking about muscle cars at the strip, I'm excited because it started off as a Mopar show and it still kind of has that stigma is kind of a bad word, but it still has that. It, it's kind of a tradition for Mopar guys to go to that show. So I'm really excited, even though it's a show that covers Chevy's Fords and um, Mopars, it's like Mopars are probably going to be a dominant force there, which is fine with me. But at this show, and local shows around me, it's like, it's always Chevy city. You know, you walk into a swap meet, any of the local stuff. It's always like, if you're a Chevy guy, you're, you know, swimming in gold. <laughs> if you're a Mopar guy, you're like dropping bricks of gold for, for, you know, parts that shouldn't cost that much. But, um, 
this show is so cool just because you can cruise around and, you know, people are like, Oh, rev it up. You know, you can't go burning out and stuff and being a jerk, but you can go around. If people are telling you to rev your engine, you can rev your engine and nobody cares. Actually people cheer, <laughs> you know, you get some guys, <laughs> we had some guys on video too, that, uh, say things like, Oh, do a burnout or can that thing do a burnout? <laughs> yes, it can do a burnout. Like, are you going to buy me tires? And what's going to happen when I get kicked out of the show to show off for you? No, thanks. Like, where's your car at, dude? Oh, out in the parking lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I get it. It's fun to see cars burn out and stuff, but that's what the burnout contest was for, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? They just like, I think, uh, I mean, I remember when I was just a spectator of these events and I'd go and I'd see these cars cruising and actually last or, um, it had to have been last year. Last year was the first year I realized that you were allowed to cruise the fairgrounds. It really didn't occur to me the last couple of times I've gone. And I don't know if that's because it's something new that they allow or what, but last year I was like, Oh, I'm definitely coming to this show with a car or truck someday. Cause that is too cool. And man, if there are any other shows like that in the country, please let me know. Cause that show was so friggin' cool. I, uh, I can't explain how fun it is because I mean, people set up their chairs like their little uh, camping chairs or whatever on the side of the, on the side of the, what normally would be a walkway <laughs> and they just sit, it's like a parade that goes around. You can take different routes through the fairgrounds and it's just so much fun. Um, if you haven't had a chance, go watch some of the videos. You can get some, <laughs> my phone was overheating a lot towards the end of the day. Cause it was pretty hot and my truck doesn't have air conditioning and we're cruising around. It's going live. So, and I had it hooked up to an external battery pack because I kept, uh, my battery kept dying. But if you go to some of the videos that I filmed from, uh, Saturday, uh, you can see what it's like just cruising the fairgrounds. There's people walking. I mean, you'll be cruising. And there's like a group of people that have to like part so that you can get by them. <laughs> it's insane. And it is just, I cannot stress enough how cool that is. And I really want to set something up for um, next year when uh, they come back. I want to somehow get some flyers made or something because I think it would be cool if all the Mopar people that wanted to cruise like had a set time where, hey, at 1.30, we're all just going to hit the road and we're just going to cruise this whole thing. So it's like Mopar dominated cruise. <laughs> you know, I thought that would be really cool. So I'm going to try to plan something out like that. Um, pass out flyers and say, Hey, at this time, all the Mopars are going to go cruising, you know, make our presence known. The cool, here's something cool. Every time I go to a show that's non Mopar specific, I know one thing is for certain. There will always be more C tens than tin grills. You know, it's to be expected, but, uh, sometimes I'm the only tin grill at a show. And this time with a show with, uh, we'll go ahead and we'll keep saying it was over a thousand cars. There was only one other tin grill. Now <laughs> it was, uh, a Plymouth trail duster known as the hell duster because it's been Hellcat swapped a beautiful restoration done by horsepower Northwest. It's a shop out here run by a guy named Aaron Porter who does amazing work. He's got a Cuda with a 392 Hemi swapped in it. He's got, um, I believe it's a 71 GTX R is what he calls it. The GTX R with a V10 from a Viper in it. Um, and like, I could sit here and explain these vehicles to you, but it, it, 
I wouldn't be doing any of them justice. They are amazing builds. In fact, they were probably my three favorite resto mods at that show. All of them Mopars. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm biased, but uh, they were just so, so cool. And every time I went by his booth, there's always a bunch of people just checking out these cars. And um, to be honest, I think I think all of his rigs should have been in uh, in the building, in one of the buildings, because that's where they belonged. Um, but they were outside with the rest of us. <laughs> and uh, gosh, they that tin grill, that that trail duster is amazing. The hell duster. And Aaron says it's a, it's a handful and I bet it's crazy. Um, so I believe there's some pictures that I posted online on the Facebook page, uh, showing that, that the hell duster. And, um, so those are my three favorite Mopars of the show. I really didn't pay attention to much else. There was like a old cab over that had like a box truck, um, uh, back on it and inside they did it up like a strip club so it has stripper pole and stuff and it was ridiculous but um lots of cool vehicles but one of the only tin grills which made me feel really good because a lot of people were mentioning hey it's nice to see something other than a c10 and you know i feel the same way i wish there were more tin grills at these shows so we could you know at least have some numbers you know, it's tough being the only Dodge because I you can feel every time a guy walks by and looks at it, you can tell oh, that's definitely a C10 guy. <laughs> you can always tell. Um, maybe it, most of the truck guys are cool with each other, but the average the average spectator uh, would probably look right over the Dodge. Um, but I like to put up a little Mr. Norm display so that people know who Mr. Norm was because I, I get that question a lot, which surprises me. But also it doesn't surprise me because if you're not a Mopar guy, you might not know who Mr. Norm is. So I like to have a little bit of information there for people that may not know. And if I'm not at the truck to talk to him about it, then at least they can see a little timeline of Mr. Norm's life and uh, see what Grand Spalding Dodge is all about. But it's definitely cool when people come up and... I, I'm not the type of guy to take credit for somebody else's work. A lot of people came up and asked me about the truck. And I said, Oh, my friend Murray built this truck. It was his vision. And this is what he came up with. And I fell in love with it six years ago and I had to have it. So now it's mine. Um, thankfully Murray left enough meat on the bone that I can do some engine work. And, uh, cause it's going to get a Hemi. It's got to get a Hemi now. Um, I realize that because as I'm driving around, I, I could hear people like, Oh, it's got a Hemi in it. And because it says new and used Hemi parts on the fender. <laughs> so, or on the fenders. So people automatically assume that it's got a Hemi in it. And when they find out it's just a 360 small block, that's pretty original looking, you know, they're not too impressed, which I understand why, you know, and that's the only thing, you know, when I, when I take the truck to shows or show people the truck, that's the only thing that I'm really like, Ugh. you know, I like the engine and I think it looks really clean but I know what belongs under the hood of the Mr. Norm truck. And it's a Hemi. I don't know if I'll ever be able to afford a second gen Hemi in that thing, but it needs a Hemi, uh, nonetheless. So it's going to get probably a gen three Hemi. Um, I have one in the garage. I just need to get all the parts to put it in. Um, so that's, that's in the plan. And then I got to do something about the suspension. I want this thing to handle too. You know, I want it to be really fun to drive. So I'm exploring some options with that. Uh, if you have uh, a tin grill that handles really well, let me know. Let me know what you did to it because I, I want mine to handle some some good power. And uh, I, ideally, I'd like to uh, I'd like the truck to have like 500 horsepower. I think that'd be fine for it. Um, so I'm not trying to race the truck. Maybe uh, do a couple runs for fun, but nothing too crazy, you know. 
So anyway, show's awesome. We're cruising. Gosh, when I got to the show, I only had a quarter tank of gas left. And after I cruised one time through the show field and through the whole event center, I was like, I need to go get gas. Cool thing is, is they let you leave and come back. So my buddy Paul and I went and got some gas. Um, Another cool thing is my family came. So my wife and my daughter showed up and I don't know how to explain this without, I don't want to throw my wife under the bus because I'm not really trying to do that at all. But there is a, there's a safety concern about having my daughter ride in the truck, like on the street. And that's that she's still in a, she's two years old and she's in a rear facing car seat and the truck is a single cab and you're not supposed to have one of those car seats in the front. And me, you know, I'm not going to drive like a jerk if my family's in the car or in the truck. And if I just want to go to a local show or something, I feel like we could do that safely. My wife doesn't want to take the risk and I understand why. So I respect those wishes. Um, And honestly, I would be very, very, very on high alert if I took my family out in that truck, because obviously, you know, my wife and my kid are the most important people in my life. So I gotta make sure they're safe. Right. So with the fact that you can drive around this show, I was looking forward to it because it would be the official first time that my daughter has been able to ride in the truck with me because she likes to hang out in the truck and play in the truck. Um, and we've driven a little bit like in the neighborhood because it's an enclosed neighborhood. So it's kind of safe, but, uh, never on the street. So this is the closest we got to it. And she was grabbing the steering wheel and driving. I brought her over to my lap and let her, you know, work the wheel while I worked the pedals. And, uh, if she wasn't so tired, I think she would have had a blast and she looked like she was having some fun. She loves to hold the steering wheel and pretend like she's driving. Well, this time she was really driving the truck. I mean, I was just controlling every once in a while. She jerked the wheel a little too far. I had to grab it out of her hand, but, uh, that was a proud father moment for me because I'm hoping that that's something that she'll remember for the rest of her life. Because I do remember the first time that my dad sat me on his lap and let me drive his van. <laughs> so I hope she remembers that. And I hope that sparks her interest in vehicles because that's a, uh, that's a pretty big show she got to attend. And, you know, we're cruising around and the truck gets so much attention, you know, cause it's so different. Uh, definitely a, a high point of my summer was uh getting to cruise that truck with my daughter that was that was fun like uh that was just awesome so that was a that was a really cool day i got some really cool pictures i still haven't shared all the pictures yet i got a couple good interviews with people um one guy denied me (laughs) because uh it was the 67 hemi gtx i was videotaping the car and I saw a guy sitting kind of next to it and I asked him if it was his car and uh, he said, yes. And I asked him if he wanted to be on a radio show and he said, he thought about it for a second. He said, no. And people were giving me some crap online about it, but it is what it is. It was worth a shot. You know what I mean? I wanted to give him a shot at, you know, showing his passion for his car. Tell me the story of your car. But, uh, apparently apparently talking Mopars wasn't good enough for him, (laughs) but, uh, no, no worries. I got to, uh, record the car. And, you know, I don't expect people to talk to me, but if they're willing to talk, I'm more than willing to talk to them and hear the story of their car. And, uh, we got a couple of those. I will get, I have to figure out how to extract the audio from the videos, um, and then clean it up. But, uh, we'll get that played soon. A couple really good guys. One guy, his name's Jack. He's a, uh, a friend of mine in the Mopar community. He's got a 69 Dodge charger 500. It's a legit barn find. 
the car is awesome. It is an XX VIN number. Legit Charger 500. It's got the 68 Coronet grille and the um, the flush back window. Uh, great story. Um, you can actually find the video of the interview with Paul. Um, or sorry, Jack. Uh, you can find Jack's video on Talking Mopar's podcast, uh, the Facebook page. Um, it's the only ratty. A 69 Charger uh, 500 that you'll see. Uh, really cool story. Jack's a great guy. Awesome car. Um, I don't think I got this on camera, but after we stopped recording, he was talking about the trips he's taking in that car, going cross country in this thing, <laughs> which is awesome. But uh, that's a great video. Go check it out. Hear the story of the car. It's a really good one. Um, but yeah, I got to talk to a lot of people, got to see some people in person that... I either a don't see very often or B have never seen. That was fun. Um, and then I got to hang out with my buddy, Paul, another Mopar guy who I met online, who was super cool. And we ended up becoming friends in real life and he tagged along and we had a great time. It was a fun show. Um, I can't wait till next year. I really can't. It's going to be so much fun. And hopefully the truck will have something different under the hood. We'll see. I'm going to be working on it, but, uh, that's the plan. Uh, but uh, let's get back to the comments really quick. Uh, looks like Johnny Mopar, good buddy of mine as well, says uh, the Riverside show and go is like that. It's awesome. Yeah, man. Um, any show like that where you can cruise and show your vehicle is awesome. <laughs> it's, it just brings a whole new dynamic to the car show. You know what I mean? But um, let's get into uh, what happened after the show. So I've been cruising all day, all day long and, uh, had to drop my buddy Paul back off in Seattle and then uh, make my way back home. So I dropped my buddy Paul off, cruise a couple streets in Seattle. Um, just cause I, I told myself I'm never coming back to Seattle with this truck again, unless it's some sort of special occasion, some car show somewhere down there, but there really aren't any car shows in downtown Seattle. So I'll never have to worry about that. But I was like, I'm never taking this thing down here again. So I thought I'd cruise, uh, the Ave and, um, the Boulevard and stuff. So I did that, get on the freeway. I'm doing about 75, a couple cars in front of me and, uh, Everything's going great. The truck's been good all day. Um, I was messing with the um, the idle mixture screws a little bit because it, it was smelling like um, a little rich. So messing with that a little bit. And it was getting a little harder to start as the day progressed. But I don't know if that relates to what happened to me um, later on that night, which is what we're about to talk about. And so I'm driving and I start smelling like burning plastic. And it was really faint at first. I was like, and I had an issue with this truck with this really crappy radio that I had in it. And the radio caught fire <laughs> while I was driving the thing. Smoke. I had to pull out a screwdriver and unscrew the trim piece for the dash and yank the radio out uh, so that my truck didn't burn to the ground. And when I put the new radio in it, now I have a quality radio that hasn't done that yet. I wired it very well got underneath the dash and checked every wire under there to make sure everything was good. And there wasn't any possibilities for shorts or any, you know, loose wires or anything like that. So under dash, perfect. It's great. Um, 
under hood, when I had the gauge cluster restored, I had them fireproof the ammeter gauge. And so I wasn't worried about that. And I had two new power wires running to it. I put one new ignition wire in it. That was the only wiring I've ever done. And it was done well because I hate wiring and I don't want it to ever fail. Here's where I made the mistake. When I did those repairs to the ammeter wire and the one ignition wire, I looked at the rest of the engine harness and from what I can tell, it's been untouched. I mean, if you've ever looked at an original Mopar wiring harness from those trucks, it's basically just electrical taped. And they even had a couple weird, <laughs> weird splices from the factory that's like, what kind of hillbilly, <laughs> you know, thing is this? But that's how they came from the factory. So I was looking at the rest of the harness. And in my last truck, I did a quick wire um, wiring kit in it, and it was really easy. And the wires in this truck, they looked... <laughs> I don't want to say they look bad because if they look bad, I would have never let them fly. Um, they still looked clean and I didn't see any issues. Okay. So what I should have done when I did that little bit of wiring up there is I should have at least inspected everything. And I kind of did, but I didn't, I didn't do as good of a job as I should have, which I, I don't know what happened. But like I said, I'm driving on the freeway, 75 miles an hour, start to smell burning plastic. And it's faint at first. I'm like, okay, maybe it's one of these guys in front of me. I'm like, I'm hoping <laughs> like maybe it's one of these guys in front of me. Yeah, it's got to be. And uh, it starts getting worse. Right. And I just pass a freeway exit. And the next exit that I can take just so happens to be one of my best friends. His name's Mike. Shout out to you, Mike. Thank you for letting me borrow your, your car and uh, letting me park my truck at your house. Cause the smell started getting pretty bad and I knew Mike's exit was coming up. And I thought to myself, Hmm, I think I might be able to make it home. And then <laughs> after that idiot thought left my brain and the smart guy came back in and said, Hey, moron, at least get off the freeway, go to Mike's house. He's got tool. He's a mechanic. He's a technician. So he's got tools. He's got a flashlight and worst case scenario, it is your truck and you have to leave it there overnight because it's about to burn down to the ground. <laughs> so I I'm smelling this burning electrical. I make the last minute decision and I hook over a few lanes, get off the exit, right? I'm starting to smell it even more now. So I'm like, okay, it wasn't those pieces of junk in front of me. And I say pieces of junk and they were like newer cars. <laughs> I was hoping it was one of them. I get off the freeway. I'm about to take a right. And all of a sudden my lights dimmed a little bit, right? Which is weird considering what happened. Um, Cause my lights, uh, none of the wiring for my lights um, went bad. But when I tell you what happened, it'll probably explain some of it. So my wipers started going off by themselves and I'm like, okay, something's not good. And my truck, I can smell it even worse now. And I'm like, let me count this real quick. One, two, we'll say four blocks away from my friend's house. And this city in Washington, it's called Mount Lake Terrace, is notorious for cops pulling people over for loud exhaust. <laughs> this truck, it's its late. It's like almost 10 o'clock at night on a Saturday. And the truck is loud as hell. So <laughs> it's got Flowmaster Super 10s on it. So I'm driving and I'm like, okay, I don't want to go too fast to alert <laughs> the police that I'm in town. But uh, I also want to get there quick because this thing is, it, something's not right now. The last car show I went to, the Dream Builders car show, I took the fire extinguisher that I have in my garage with me just in case because of that issue with the radio. I just wanted to make sure that my wiring job was good because I wired the truck the night before. 
So I took the fire extinguisher. I forgot the fire extinguisher going to this show. And that almost cost me the truck. So I get to my buddy's house. I pull up. I pop the hood. He comes out. <laughs> He's like, hey, man, what are you doing here? And I'm like, dude, something's wrong with my truck. It's about to burn to the ground. I pop the hood. And he's a quick thought and he jumped in his car, pulled it out of the driveway so I could pull the truck in. I popped the hood of the truck really quick and I see the wires from the bulkhead connector, the engine harness melted completely. The whole, the whole wiring harness is melted, so, melted so bad that the insulation on some of the wires was completely burned off. It looked like they just wired bare metals in there or, or uh, bare uh, wires in there. But I know they didn't because I saw the wires and I inspected them. So I know that they weren't bare wires. That's how hot this thing got. The scary part is the alternator wires ran along the top of the intake manifold. And they ran along the rubber fuel line that goes to the carburetor. Now, (laughs) those wires were completely melted. I don't know if you saw the pictures on my Instagram or my Facebook page, but uh, it was melted pretty bad and it had started to melt the fuel line. (laughs) It could have been disastrous. The truck would have caught on fire. It would have been a nightmare. Uh, Man, I'm so glad that it didn't, but uh, left it at my buddy's house overnight. He let me take his car to my house. The next day I went over there. We ripped out the whole wiring harness. Um, It did to, the wiring harness did start to burn the wires for the wipers. So I got to fix those. And then, um, one, uh, one other wire got a little melted. I forget which one it was. I think it was the ignition wire that I fixed. (laughs) got to fix it again now. Um, but anyways, so there was some damage. I did order an OE style harness. I know a lot of people were like, Oh, get an aftermarket harness and stuff. Been down that road. I will probably go down that road again when I do the Hemi swap. But for now, going to leave it the way it is i'm going to get that oe swapped or uh, that oe harness swapped in and um figure it out but i took the alternator to get it tested and it failed the bench test so i don't know if that has something to do with it i don't know if it was a short somewhere um frankly i don't care what i'm going to do is i'm going to put everything back together i'm going to get a new alternator um the new harness put everything together and my buddy and I are going to go through and test it and make sure everything's okay. (laughs) And I'm going to put the really nice, um, wire loom on it. Not that plastic corrugated BS. None of that stuff's going under that hood. Um, it's going to be really nice. So that's how I almost lost the Mr. Norm truck. And I was thinking about it and I was just like, man, could you imagine the sixth anniversary of the day that I first saw that truck? I take it back to that show. Have a great day. Most fun I've had at any car show ever. And then it burns to the ground that night. After I'm so joyous and happy that my daughter got to ride in it for the first time and drive the truck. (laughs) Oh, God. I almost got emotional. (laughs) Like, I'll be honest. I was thinking about it. I was like, oh, my God. I came really close because I'm an idiot and didn't have a fire extinguisher in there. And I'm an idiot because I didn't check (laughs) those wires as good as I should have. Um I, I keep trying to tell myself I inspected them pretty well, but uh, uh, I can't say whether or not I did or not. I guess we'll never know because it's melted down <laughs> really bad. Go look at the pictures, man. It's melted really good. And those Dodge trucks are notorious for wiring meltdowns. So I've avoided two. <laughs> um, 
Johnny, the ammeter gauge has been completely fireproof. They uh, reinforced the posts and everything. It's um, Mr. Heaterbox. Uh, go to MrHeaterbox.com. Um, he fireproofs the ammeter, so it's they function. All the gauges function good again, and uh, I don't have to worry about the ammeter. And I wired it very well. So <laughs> hopefully, uh, hopefully I don't have any issues. But like I said, when I do the Hemi swap, all that stuff's going away anyway. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm looking forward to is, you know, Paul's probably going to kill me, Paul from the Tin Girl page. Cause he likes the original stuff. But, uh, if I do a Hemi swap in it, so if I do a Hemi swap, I'm doing a wire tuck on it. Cause I don't want to see wires. <laughs> I hate the look of wiring in an engine bay. So I'm going to try to tuck as much of it as I can. Um, I'll leave some DIY Hemi stuff exposed because DIY Hemi have Hemi swapped the world. You know what I mean? But um, I really wanted to look clean in there because I was trying to figure out what direction I wanted to take the truck. And I really liked the idea of keeping it looking old school on the outside and on the interior, but uh, having something really cool under the hood and really cool to me in this day and age is one of two things either a 426 Hemi or a, a second gen Hemi or a gen three Hemi. <laughs> That's really cool to me um, for this truck. Uh, the other option was going to be to put my 451 stroker that was supposed to go in my dart in the truck. And I thought it'd be cool to have a six pack on it or something. Um, but uh, I think I want to keep the 451 for the next car. That's what I'm thinking. But that's where we're at folks. Um, the truck will be fixed. It did not burn to the ground. I did have an amazing time at the good guys car show, and I'm going to have an amazing time at muscle cars at the strip on September 10th and 11th. Come see me. Come see Johnny Mopar. We're going to be there live in the flesh podcasting and doing videos and interviews. It's going to be a blast. We're going to be recording for both of our channels. Um, speaking of which Johnny Mopar, has a new Facebook page called Johnny Mopar's Garage. Right now, after the show, I want you to go and like that page. We got to get Johnny, we got to get his numbers up to 50,000, okay? We need Johnny to have 50,000 likes by the end of the summer. That's what our goal is, and that's what we're going to try to do. Johnny, I'm helping you out here, buddy. <laughs> um, so yeah, Johnny Mopar's got great content on YouTube. I want you to follow him on YouTube and on Facebook. So go show Johnny Mopar some love. He's a staple to talking Mopars and he's my unofficial co-host. <laughs> Let's be honest. So that's, what's going on. Uh, we're going to be at muscle cars at the strip in September. And it, I am looking forward to that show so much because there's going to be a lot of cool stuff there. There's going to be a barn find exhibit with probably the most popular group of barn fine cars that was found recently <laughs> and uh it's going to be amazing and some of our buddies are going to be there so that's what we're looking forward to i know a lot of people um have reached out to me saying they're going to try to make it out to that show please I, I would love to meet you guys in person i know johnny would too um that in-person interaction is priceless i love that more than um talking on the internet like this I can't wait to get around the country to meet you guys in person because that's going to be a lot of fun for me because I love to put a face to the name. And for some reason, <laughs> like you see somebody's picture on their Facebook page or whatever, but then you meet them in real life and uh, completely different. I don't know why, <laughs> but uh, that's the way it is. And um, Muscle Cars at the Strip will be the first time that Johnny Mopar and I have been in person together 
not only at event, but, but period. We've never met in person. <laughs> We've only talked on these things. So, Johnny, we're going to finally get to uh, shake each other's hands and talk Mopars in real life. That's going to be a lot of fun. And then the following weekend, I'm flying out to Bowling Green, Kentucky for Holly's Party number two. And I'm going to be meeting Matt Monroe from Big Blocks Garage and Blake from DIY Hemi. We're all going to meet down there. Hopefully, Matt's duster's done, and Blake brings his AAR Cuda out there, and they battle it out head-to-head. That's going to be a lot of fun, but one of them's got to pick me up from the airport. Um, I just found out my flight changed. I, I didn't realize they could do that to you. <laughs> I'm supposed to be flying out Sunday morning at like 7.55, and they just sent me a change to my itinerary, and it's like, 6 a.m. is your new flight, and I'm like, oh, you guys are killing me right now. Um so that's kind of a pain, but that was the show for today, folks. Sorry. It was a little rough there. It is a weeknight. Um, I like to do these on Fridays, but I owe you a show from last week and I'm going to have to do this again on Friday, probably going to go live again on Friday night. So let's look forward to that. This was episode 95. We're five away from a hundred. I don't know what I want to do yet for the hundredth episode of the show, but I think it's important that I celebrate in some way, shape or form because made it to a hundred episodes. A lot of podcasts don't even make it to episode 10. You know, I just found out that talking Mopars is in the top one and a half percent of all podcasts currently in the market, which is like two million something. Now, when you think about those numbers, it's like, okay, one and a half percent of two million. You know what I mean? But that's still that's pretty good. I'm I'm pretty happy with that. You know, it's it's graded pretty well in the scale. Um you know, considering like the Joe Rogan podcast is graded at like a 98 and some of my biggest competition is only graded a couple points higher than me at about half that. Um, I feel like the show's doing really well for only being a hundred episodes in. And, you know, the good thing about this and the fun thing, and in my opinion, if I was in your shoes, I would love to be watching me because it's like, the, you know, you've watched from the beginning, you've listened from the beginning. So you've seen the ups, the downs, <laughs> you've seen the great episode you've heard the great episodes you've watched me screw up live <laughs> you know it's it's just this is reality you know this isn't this isn't on tv on uh an automotive channel you know what i mean this is just grassroots and recently i shouldn't even give this guy any airtime so i won't say his name but there was a comment <laughs> on one of my videos where the guy said that uh i'm recording with a camera phone pretending to be legitimate and part of me was insulted because of how much work this kind of stuff takes and you really do have to have balls to put yourself out there like this because i i get hated on i you know i get more love than hate but i'd be a liar if i didn't say that some of those comments like you say you don't like i can sit here and say i don't i don't look at the comments i look at the comments i just can't respond to everybody you know, so for those of you out there that are saying cool things um, or being positive, hey, I see you. I see you and I thank you. Um, some of you guys out there that are negative, you're probably not even listening to this right now. But uh, get a life. <laughs> you know what I mean? What, what kind of life do you lead if you got to go onto somebody's Facebook page and poop on their parade? <laughs> you know what I mean? What kind of person are you? But I get it. You know, not everybody can do this. And I'm not saying I'm special. Uh I mean, you listened to the show today. I screwed up the first hour <laughs> and we're an hour and 14 minutes in. What does that tell you? So I don't know. It's just one of those things where this has been one of the toughest, most rewarding, most fun things I've ever done. And to be close to episode 100 
it, just, it still blows my mind. It feels like I've been doing it forever. But uh, I've been, you know, I started the Mopar Hunter six years ago. It eventually morphed into Talking Mopar's podcast. And I've met some really cool people, some really good friends from doing this. So I have zero regrets no matter what anybody says about me. <laughs> you know, because most of the people that talk crap about me or what I do don't know me personally, which is their loss. If you ask me, you know, like there's, <laughs> let's talk about this. So I posted a video. I was at work. And there's a duster that's been sitting on the side of this guy's house for as long as I've known it, six years. But other people have said closer to 10. And now that I'm doing videos and stuff, I was like, and I've taken pictures of the car in the past. Uh, I thought it would be fun to do a live video. So I park my work truck. Now, for those of you that have been listening to the show for a while, you know that I drive a garbage truck for a living. So I park my garbage truck right in front of this guy's house. This guy is a customer of mine. Okay. I'm standing on the public street and I pull out my camera and I start doing a live video with the car in the background. And then I start shooting the car or whatever. And the homeowner comes home. Well, here's the story that actually happened. And I, I didn't get into too much detail because I didn't think it was important, but, uh, after I said, oh, there's the homeowner, he hates me. For one, he really doesn't hate me. He just, I can tell that he's annoyed when I see him because he knows I'm going to ask about the car. He was super nice, told me the story the first time I talked to him about the car. He was super nice. Um, I really don't think he hates me. I think he's more just annoyed that the car is not even his. It's his brother's and it's sitting on the side of the house and he keeps having to answer, about, uh, answer questions about the car. You know what I mean? So I see this car out of my peripheral vision. I kind of, I realized that it was somebody and it could have been him. There's sometimes there's a different car there. So I, I didn't really know who it was. I didn't know if it was, it's not like I locked eyes with the guy. There he is. He hates me uh, completely wrong on my part to say that. Cause I didn't know for sure, but I had assumed. And, uh, shortly thereafter, I realized that the car had left and it was just dropping somebody off. Now, whether it dropped off the homeowner or his kid or whoever may live with him, I don't know. But, uh, that that'll be a mystery, but he didn't come out to stop me. Okay. So I'm standing on the sidewalk. I'm reaching my phone out to video the car that's down below the duster and everybody, I shouldn't say everybody. There was a lot of people that were saying things like, uh, Oh, if you did that on my property, you'd be shot <laughs> or, uh, you know, Oh, your piece of, basically that I was a piece of crap for trespassing on the guy's property. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny, especially with the video and stuff. Cause it, aside from what you may think it is perfectly legal to videotape a car in somebody's yard. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that at all. Now, if I were to go, if I were to videotape the car, whatever, put the phone in my pocket and go, okay, guys, we're going to go up to the door now and we're going to see what the guy says. I can't do that. And I wouldn't do that because that would be unfair to whoever's at the door. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, uh, so many people on the internet like to chime in about stuff they have no idea about. <laughs> you know, there were so many people that assumed that I was standing in the guy's yard. <laughs> you know, uh, it just blows my mind. The internet is a funny place. But um, those of you that know me know I'm not a complete scumbag. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I don't want to get shot. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I take these things into consideration when I do these types of videos. And there are more to come. I have a nice little list of cars that I'm going to do live videos on um, that I've known about for a while and some that I've never actually um, knocked on doors, things like that. So it's going to be it's going to be a fun rest of the summer. I'll tell you that. Plus the live videos that we're going to be doing from Muscle Cars at the Strip 
and Holly's Mo party. So we got a busy summer, but that was episode 95. We'll see you for episode 96. There you have it, folks. Another episode of Talking Mopars is in the books. For everything you need to know about this show, please visit TalkingMopars.com. And if you want to hear your story read on the show, or if you want to tell your story, or if you have, you know, if you want to call in and complain about me trespassing, even though I wasn't on somebody's property, if you want to tell me what a great job I'm doing or what a piss poor job I'm doing, you can email me, Chris at TalkingMopars.com, or you can send me a voicemail on my voicemail box at 209-28-MOPAR, and I will play your message on the show. Of course, that depends on what you say, but I've never had a message really that I've turned down um, with the exception of no one. <laughs> yeah, I had to think about that for a second. I was like, I don't think I've ever turned down a, a message. I'd have to think about that a little harder. But um, yeah, I think I, I haven't read a couple emails. One's from Dodgy Ross. <laughs> uh, I, I chose not to read that one. Maybe we'll read that as a bonus someday. <laughs> That'll be a fun one. But uh for the three of you watching right now, thank you for joining me tonight. For the rest of you that have joined me, thank you. Um, it was a good time. We'll see you next time. Uh, trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to talk about tonight. I don't think so. I think that's it, guys. I think that's it. So, I am your host, Chris Albrecht, and that was Talking Mopars Live with the Mopar Hunter. Thanks for watching, and remember, no Mopar left behind. We'll see you next time. And we are out. Thank you for listening to Talking Mopars, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Until next time, remember, no Mopar left behind.